special episode of Outdrank the Coverage, the live draft show, is brought to you by the Frisco Bar and Grill. They're located at 6750 Gaylord Parkway, Suite 120 in Frisco. You can find them online at thefriscobar.com. I'm telling you, folks, if you're a sports fan, a karaoke fan, or a fan of live music and trivia, this is the place you want to be. They not only have great food, great drinks, they have great prices, and they have a great atmosphere. I'm telling you, this is where old friends meet and new friends are found. I promise you, you will love the Frisco Bar and Grill. Intern Noe and I will be talking about it during the draft show, but we love their appetizers. We love their wings. I love their sliders. My girlfriend loves the karaoke. Hey, if you're a fan of Oklahoma Sooners or San Francisco 49ers, the Frisco Bar and Grill is the official watch party place for both of those. And intern Noe and I was there for a Monday night game last year when San Francisco was playing, and the atmosphere is absolutely amazing. You cannot beat it. So check out the Frisco Bar and Grill, located at 6750 Gaylord Parkway, Suite 120 in Frisco, where old friends meet and new friends are found. Is your demanding work lifestyle in need of fire-resistant clothing that can keep up? Well, L4FR clothing should be your go-to for quality, affordability, safety, and style. L4FR was founded by a third-generation oil field worker who is also a veteran. Thus, this company has a deep appreciation for reliability and longevity, all while we provide first-rate customer service. Our durable apparel will serve you well for many years to come, whether you're working on a pipeline, alignment climbing utility poles, or in any other environment requiring fire-resistant apparel. L4FR has you covered. Our apparel is tough enough to resist hazardous conditions while still providing high comfort and style. L4FR provides clothing options to ensure your safety and comfort, whether you're on the job or not. To view our complete inventory of flame-resistant garments, please visit our online store at L4FRclothing.com or give us a call at 817-757-4935. See habla espanol. L4 Media, we talk high school football, 4A, 3A, and 2A in Texas. We talk East Texas sports. We talk NFL, guy talk, movie, and booze. We also talk wrestling and so much more. So like and subscribe and check us out. Last time we looked at the 71 Cowboys. This time, Outdrank the Coverage takes a look back at the 1977 Dallas Cowboys, the second Super Bowl winner. Hello, everybody. I'm Terry Bennett. That's Intern Noe. Before we begin, Intern Noe, how are you doing? And what are you drinking? Mr. Bennett, I'm doing fantastic. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Today, I'm drinking I was a cocktail. It's uh 1792 it's mm -hmm. a small batch bourbon and i'm mixing it with dr pepper cherry coke mm -hmm. because you know i'm from texas oh uh, you're doing cherry dr pepper and coke well um well i'm from texas so i call every soda coke yeah we call everything coke <laughs> which <laughs> is weird you think we would call everything dr pepper you would yeah. but yeah we do we call everything coke. so yeah so dr pepper cherry yep and 1792 small batch as a cocktail I am just drinking straight vodka, but I am chasing it with a Coke, uh, an actual Coke uh, in my 19. I, I figured this one out. I, I, I forgot to tell you this. I, I This is from 1989. Oh, wow. Arkansas is still in the league. And, and I, I, I researched when TCU changed. Anyway, if you don't know, I'm drinking it from a, an old Southwest Conference glass. 
but now that we've got that out of the way, by the way, we played the L4FR clothing because, oh yeah, here we go. Cheers. Virtual, virtual yeah. douche. Uh, because they provided the food and the drinks for us today. We do appreciate that. So we're here to talk to 77 Cowboys. Now, if you listen to the 71 or watch the 71 on YouTube at L4 Media uh, Company, you know, we play video and we just kind of talk about how the 77 Cowboys won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Now, uh, of all the winners of the Super Bowl for Dallas, all five of them, this is probably the most boring because it might be the most dominant. Yeah, it was the most dominant. They had 93 it. is close. 93 is close. They made it. They themselves made it difficult with the Emmett Smith holdout. Yes, the first at the beginning of the year. Yeah, two weeks in and then the two weeks he was out. They really only lost one game when he started, but in that one game they lost. I'm sorry. They lost one game when he started. Now, one game he lost, he got injured yeah, early. Against Atlanta. Yeah. And so. then, so they, it's, so the funny thing is, I realize this now, 93 and 77 have two things in common. Uh, all four of Dallas's losses in 93 were back-to-back. The yes. two losses in 77 are back-to-back. Back. Um, Dallas at one point in 77 was basically playing to be perfect. And they went, I think, 7-0 and or 8-0. And then they lose back-to-back games. We'll get into all that. Uh, but, yeah, so last time we played a lot of, you know, clips from uh, the America's game because there was Dwayne Thomas and Bob Lilly and Roger Staubach. I-, I went back and was watching America's game for 77. And to be honest with you, it's kind of boring. Yeah. There's not a lot. I mean, Dallas legitimately just kind of rolled through – uh, the season and they were helped in the AFC by Denver. I think Denver would, if you were to pick one team in the playoffs in 77 that Dallas matched up best with, it was against Denver uh, against a former Cowboy quarterback. We'll get into all that. Uh, so I, you know, I, I just feel like the, the, everything fell perfect for the 77 season, not taking anything away from them. I'm just saying no, that sometimes that happens. I mean, it was a culmination of what happened after the 71 season and everything that led up into the 77 season. And we'll get into that as well. I mean, there's a combination of great drafting. Uh, the World Football League kind of affected it, kind of ended one dynasty. Uh, yeah, it was just, you know, a lot of things that happened in between that kind of set up that team. And then all the other teams, the other powers of the NFC started to age a little bit. Yeah. Whereas Dallas, because of these great draft picks, they were kind of youthful. They were a complete departure from the 71 team. But they, I, I, you know, looking back, if you look at the starting lineups, especially on defense for the 70, comparing the 71 versus the 77 team, it's hard for me to pick out which one's better. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'll say this, and we're and by the way, so what we're going to do in this weekend's episodes, again, if you don't know, we record these once a month in the offseason. We basically record two or three shows in a row. Uh, the next one's going to be the 78 through 85 years for Dallas. I, I think if you would have talked to my dad, you know, and I referenced my dad, but that's, I mean, that's who's, who got me in football and who was watching the Cowboys then. I, I think he would have said after this 77 season, oh, Dallas is going to win two, three more Super Bowls. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about that going forward in the next show, the 78 to 85 years. Um, but th- they didn't. And you can we can talk about why and all that. But I-, I think the 71 Cowboys was the end of an era with it being Bob Lilly and, of course, Lance Allworth and Mike Dicka and-, and a couple other players like that. I think there's five players from the 71 team that was in the 77 team and, and-, and on. Uh, Charlie Waters, Cliff Harris being two, they were like rookies or second-year guys in 71. Well, I mean, uh, Charlie Waters, was, I don't even think he was starting. I think he was a cornerback. Yeah, he was 70- the cornerback. That was the whole thing is yeah. he started as a cornerback. He was terrible. Landry moved him to safety, but I think that was 73 when they really started that. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so it, it, was, it, it was just crazy because 
after that 77 Super Bowl, you you think this is a team, you know, and how many times we talk, we talk about like the 85 Bears. It, it still amazes me to this day that the 85 Bears only won one Super Bowl because that team was so dominant defensively for two years before and three years after. Um, you, you look at other teams, of course, Buffalo at least was making it to the Super Bowl, but they could never quite win it, but they kept going back and back. But 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 the NFC, from about 78 on, the NFC actually got to be tougher because you and I make the joke that for the 70s, it was basically Dallas, Minnesota, and the Rams. The Rams just could not get out of that second round. They kept getting beaten in the second round until finally in 79, they upset Dallas, the Jack Youngblood broken leg game. We'll talk about that in the next episode. Uh, and they finally made the Super Bowl. And as you said, that might have been their worst team of the five-year run that they had. Uh, and, and so it's just crazy. The, the NFC, you see why the AFC dominated so much outside of Dallas winning the two Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, I mean, the AFC also had, had a lot of good competition. The few years the Bengals were pretty good, as you can see. I, you know, and honestly, '77 was the first season the Broncos made the playoffs. Yeah, they, they were a Cinderella story by far. But before that, they were having winning records. Um, this is the first year under Red Miller, fifty-year-old rookie head coach. Um, they went twelve and two in '77. But before that, the prior coach, they were they had winning seat. They, they're one of those teams that started in 1960, just like with the Cowboys. Yeah. They, they didn't have a winning record. So in 62, they were 7-7, seven and seven, but it took them until about 73 to actually have a winning record. And they were somewhat competitive from about 73 to 76. New coaching change, new defensive philosophy, uh, new quarterback, kind of took them from a 9-5 and five team to a 12-2 and two team. And really that last game, and then we'll talk about this later, but the last game in 77 was actually Denver and Dallas in the regular season yep. finale. Just so happened to be the finale. Denver went in that game 12-1. and one. Yep. They didn't really need to win the game. But it was a low-scoring 14-6 game, I believe. Yeah. So, it, yeah, I mean, the AFC was pretty strong. Uh, I, I really, it, Honestly, I really think the World Football League, which started in 74, Ended in seventy five, kind of killed the Miami dynasty. Yeah, you're you're. I'm not disagreeing, but you're real big on that. Well, I mean, you think about it, two of the or three of the all three of them: Nick Zonka, Kick, and Mercury Morris, all ended up in the World Football League. And Par Wolf, Par too. It's really odd that Dallas, you know, because we talked, we, we we saw that in the seventy one uh, season, and it's it's infamous about how Tech Tram underpaid, and it was brilliant. Underpay your stars, and then tell everybody else, well, we can't pay you more than we pay Roger. We can't pay you more than we pay at the right. time Bob Lilly. You would have thought multiple Dallas Cowboys would have would have have went to the World Football League, but that like him, we can talk about what he was too robotic or what, but that was the allure of Landry. Landry kept players there, even underpaid. Even as they cussed him and hated him, there was something about him that, that yeah. just players just could not give it up. But let's go ahead and let's go ahead and back up. So we talked Dallas, they won the 71 Super Bowl. And then they went on a stretch where they were playing in the a NFC title game three straight years. Uh they lose to Minnesota. They lose to Washington, which is funny because my I, you literally almost had a Dallas Buffalo situation in the seventies. And I don't think the dolphins matched up well with the Cowboys. I, I, I think that the, the dolphins would have been the, the sorry losers if they'd have played Dallas three times, they just didn't match up well with them. Yeah. Everything that Dallas did well, uh, you know, like the, the, the run defense at that time, that, that that's what, I mean, look, I know Bob Greasy's a hall of famer and that's fine, 
But let's be honest, that offense was led by the the, the likes of Zonka and Kick and Mercury Morris. Yeah, and Dallas' run defense would stop that, whereas Minnesota and Washington just really couldn't stop it, especially Minnesota in the 73 season. Uh, yeah, so in 72, you know, Dwayne Thomas' situation was just getting worse. Yeah. And then they had to trade him, so there was no more Dwayne Thomas for the Cowboys. Which <laughs> eventually leads to... Tony Dorsett, because the one weakness between 1971 and 1977 for the Cowboys, they ran the ball well, but they didn't have that home run back. That's what Dwayne Thomas had been in 70 and 71. And and they tried to, you know, you had Calvin Hill retiring, Walt Garrison retiring, Dan Reeves. Dan Reeves was already on his last legs in 71. He was a a player coach. Yeah, he really didn't. I mean, he, he played, but he didn't really play a ton. But by 77, they're all gone. That leads to, and we'll back back up, but I'm just saying that leads to Tony Dorsett, which yeah. leads to a completely new era of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but I, you know, it's funny because in 19, uh, you know, in, in 1974, Cowboys missed the playoffs. They go eight and six, so it's a winning season, but they missed the playoffs. But that draft, well, yeah. That, well, I mean, think about though, 74. There's a lot of people that left after that season, yes. mainly because they were getting older. Uh, some of those guys just left to other teams. Uh, we, we can go through the list. I mean, the the ones that retired were Bob Lilly, Mr. Cowboy, the, the first pick, uh, Walt Garrison, the fullback, Cornell Green, strong safety. And Dave Manders, and Dave underrated Manders. center. Yeah, so at this point, Manders was at, toward the end of his career, and uh, John Fitzgerald became the starter, I think, the prior season. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he was a legendary Cowboy, played, played a long time for the Cowboys. Um, those are the ones that retired, and then uh, – just their final season after 74 for the Cowboys, Bob Hayes. He was already on his last season, went to the 49ers. Calvin Hill went to the World Football He's League. He's the only one of note that went to the World Football yeah. League. Uh, Pat Toomey, he went to the Bills, the defensive end. Uh, John Nealon, he went to the Eagles. And then uh, Craig Morton, he had a, two or three bad years with the Giants. And he'll come back up here in a little bit. Oh, definitely. Uh, but let's see what Dallas did add. And let's go back up to, uh, you know, everybody thinks that, like, the, the the best draft was that 74 draft. Everybody talks about that. That's the Dirty Dozen. Right. Or it's technically the 75 draft. And it is. It's a great draft. You got Randy White. You got Hollywood Henderson, Bob Brewing, Pat Donovan. All of them became starters and all of them became impact players. But in that 74 draft, which is the 73 season, 74 draft, you got two tall Jones and Danny White. Uh, and in that 73 draft, you got Billy Joe Dupree, very underrated tight end who yeah. was still playing into the eighties for the Cowboys. Yeah. Golden Richards, Harvey Martin, Drew Pearson. Uh, now Harvey Martin's a, a hall of fame player. Think about the uh, tight end luck. The Cowboys have had from the seventies. You had Billy Joe Dupree. 80s, you had Doug Cosby. 90s, you had Novacek. Well, and you also have Billy. Uh, you have Billy. Uh, not Billy. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Butch Johnson. You have Butch Johnson, too. Yeah, Butch well, Johnson. Well, which, technically a receiver. Well, I mean, but but he was a tight end. He yeah. was that first hybrid guy. He's kind of what Charlie Joyner would be for the Chargers. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he's a tight end, but he he could split out. And he didn't and really block that well. We will, we will talk about Butch Johnson a lot. We'll yes. talk about the 77 Super Bowl. Yes. Just, just him. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the, the catch at the time, which would now would no way be a catch. Yeah. But, but that Dirty Dozen draft was Great, but right. they were already world building, so to speak, with that 73 draft, so 74 draft. Tell us why the 75 draft is called the 30 dozen draft. Because there was literally 12 guys that ended up 
basically starting, led by, as we said, Randy White, Thomas yeah. Hollywood Henderson, Bob Brewing. Bob Brewing, another very underrated player. So, so there was an undrafted player for the Cowboys that ended up getting a lot of time, but not for the Cowboys, with the Seahawks, Jim Zorn. Jim Zorn. Yeah, so he was a UFA player in 75, and then the next season, 76, there was two expansion teams to bring the league to 28 in total. One was, one was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then the other was the Seattle Seahawks. All right, so here's that draft. This is – I mean, you want to talk about – and a lot of these guys probably didn't really – at the moment, you really didn't think about it, but yeah, your first draft is Randy White. Your second round – and first round pick – they had two first round picks. I'm sorry, it was Thomas Hollywood Henderson. Yeah. And here's a crazy thing. Going back and watching something on Hollywood Henderson, he only had like 82 career games. He did not – play as much as like i mean we'll, we'll talk about him uh burton lawless who was uh all rookie uh in 75 was on the super bowl team a very solid offensive guard he didn't make a lot of you know a lot of noise but he did right bob brewing again three-time pro bowl selection yeah. pat donovan offensive tackle he never missed a game in his nine seasons with the cowboys um on the pro bowl four time randy hughes very underrated secondary guy played six seasons with dallas was super bowl champion uh, Kyle Davis, he didn't make the team. Mike Heckman, he's a guy that played 12 years for the Cowboys, yes. and, and he was, you know, he's not, he wasn't spectacular. And a lot of times, he kind of, he kind of got knocked because he wasn't spectacular. But he was just a very consistent off tackle linebacker that just made the plays. He played 12 seasons for a reason. Exactly. Uh, Herbert Scott, who played 10 years for the Cowboys, three time Pro Bowler, drafted in the 13th round. Again, now again, wow. this is way back when. Uh, th th they went, you know, 20 rounds or whatever. In the 14th round, Scott Laidlaw, a running back, played six years. Uh, so, again, that, that Percy Howard drafted – I mean, it was a UFA. He wasn't great, but he was a, a freak of nature. He had a big catch in the uh, 76 Super Bowl for a touchdown. Uh, and then, as you talked about, Jim Zorn, mm. uh, who was eventually cut uh, to make room for, uh, actually, running back Preston Pearson. Oh. Because Preston Pearson had been cut by the uh, Steelers. And the Cowboys yes. picked him yeah, up. Yeah, you forget, like, Preston Pearson was a big factor in the Cowboys in the late 70s, early 80s, but you forget that he was a Steeler before, yep. won a couple of Super Bowls with the Steelers. Well, and, and Preston Pearson legitimately was basically the first third down back. We talked about that in the 71 season. Yep. Once Dwayne uh, Thomas kind of took over the starting role in 70 and 71, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting mixed up. Tony Dorsett in 77. I don't know yeah, what yeah. Once he took over the starting spot, they basically started using Preston Pearson in the third as a third down back. And that's just something you didn't do back then. Uh, and again, we talk about where Landry is on the the coaching icon, and I think somehow he gets underrated a lot of times. I don't think I don't think people today realize all that Landry created that we still use in, in schemes and, and defenses and offenses and all that fun stuff. Uh, but so you you had this Dallas Cowboy team in, in nineteen seventy six. They you know or seventy five season. They bounce back from that eighty-six uh, or that uh, eight and six year, uh, and they still only get a wild card. But they become the first team to make the wild card, uh, make the Super Bowl as a wild card, uh, and they play in what at that time maybe was the best Super Bowl, uh, losing to Pittsburgh twenty-one to seventeen, uh, and, and it, that became the, the theme for the seventies. Pittsburgh beat Dallas in the two Super Bowls they played, yeah. and that's why Pittsburgh is named the you know, the team of the seventies and rightfully so they deserve that. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that I, I think you got to remember that basically from 1971 to 1979, Dallas was in five Super Bowls and they were also in three more 
uh, NFC title games. Think about that. If they just win those games, yeah. we're talking about eight to nine years of Dallas in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it, and a lot of those times it was injuries or just one awfully bad game where Staubach would throw three or interceptions, fumble a couple of times. It was just an, uh, an isolated, awful game, and that's kind of what – well, uh, and you, you, you think about like '76. It could have been the Cowboys and Raiders. Finally, mm-hmm. that, so that's was, one of those that should have been. Well, '77 should have been too, and we'll talk about that because yeah. the Raiders played in the AFC title game in '77, but you know they lost to the Orange Crush defense. It was kind of barely hanging on in that game. It wasn't, and the Raiders had given them the the Broncos their only loss of the season, and or up, up until the Cowboy game in the regular season finale, yeah. and. It, the Raiders knew how to play against the, that Orange Crest defense. It just wasn't enough in that '76 title or '77 title game. All right, well, let's go ahead and move over to the '77 season. Uh, Dallas came in as prohibitive favorites in the NFC. I mean, there was no doubt. But this Dallas team, for all the talk, like we talk about '71 and next year's champions and stuff, this team was just absolutely at the apex. And then. You add in a rookie in in Tony Dorsett, and and again as we talked about earlier, that's what Dallas was missing that home run threat. And it's not like you know it, the funny part is it's not like if, if there's one story from that season, mm-hmm. it's that he couldn't break into the starting lineup until like game six or seven. Yeah, partly because Tom Landry just didn't trust rookies. Yeah, I mean let, let's be honest that that's where it really came. But Preston Pearson was really really solid. Uh, when you look at their stats on the year. They ran for 2,500 yards, 21 touchdowns. They averaged 4.2 yards. Uh, you had t- Dorsett with 1,000 yards. Uh, but you had uh, Preston Pearson, only 300 yards rushing, but 535 yards reception. That's where I say he was really legitimately that first third down back. The guy you put in, that's all he did was third down. But nobody ever talks about Robert Newhouse. 700 yards rushing from a traditional fullback spot. Wow. And the late, great Robert Newhouse from Hallsville, Texas, from East Texas. He was a Hallsville Bobcat. Everybody talks about Earl Campbell's thighs, and, and those were big. Go look at the v- video of, of Robert Newhouse. That dude was a tree trunk, and he was – we'll talk about him in the Super Bowl because he also throws for a, a touchdown pass. Uh, but when you look at this team, no, I, this team didn't have any weaknesses. They really didn't, they really didn't know need to throw that much either. No. Uh, they threw for about 2,600 yards. Which was a lot, though, back then. And they ran for almost 2,400 yards. So it was a very balanced offense. They they could beat you any way. And that was just the beauty of this offense. And it was came in at a time where the powers of the NFC were starting to age, yeah. a.k.a. the Rams and the Vikings. The, Raider, uh, the Redskins had already started to age out. Yeah, yeah. They so, were a couple years – or they were a year away from we'd start seeing Joe Theismann start to play well. And, and right. that – and iteration, yeah, 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 that iteration of the Redskins that would form into the early '80s with Joe Gibbs. So this is the that transition period that yeah. we talk about a lot in our podcast, where you know it, it's it's prime pickings for whoever wants to take advantage of this. And right now, in '77, it was going to be the Cowboys. Yeah, the, the difference between '71 and '77, they have some stalwarts from that '71 team in Staubach, but they have a lot of youth infused. And that yeah. was because of the 73 to 76 ex- well-executed drafting. Yep. And then in this season, they did a couple of smart things where they converted Randy White from a linebacker to the defensive tackle. Well, okay, so Randy White was a defensive tackle in college at Maryland. Yeah. I don't know whatever reason uh, 
Landry decided he thought he would be the, the next great middle linebacker. And, and Randy White struggled in space. So he converted him back down to a defensive tackle. But then he basically, in that flex defense, he kind of was a, a, a linebacker because what the flex did, and if you're, you know, you're young, you don't know, the flex was basically it was a 4-3, but you took your two tackles or you took a tackle in the end, depending on the play, and you basically offset them off the line by a yard. And what it allowed them to do was basically get into the gap without having, you know, they're not being touched yet and they can see where the play is going. So he basically, I mean, Landry was right. He just basically created a different, I guess you would have called him a down, down linebacker if you wanted to, Uh, but that flex, and we'll talk about that in the next show for 10 years, that flex fooled everybody. And then in the early eighties teams started figuring out, and, and that's where the famous Washington counter tray came from. That counter tray was a counter trap where you got that guy in the flex into the gap and then you brought the guard or the tackle down on top of him and that opened up that little gap, the counter tray. Um, but but for 77, that absolutely fooled everybody. And then you have Harvey Martin, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And even at too tall. Again, one of the, the, the negatives about how the Steelers-Cowboys rivalry went was for some reason – in the 80s, it became, it, well, you won Super Bowls, you should be in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not saying that the Steelers don't have players worthy of the Hall of Fame. They do. But Dallas didn't get some players in the Hall of Fame because the idea, I mean, we finally got, you know, Cliff Harris in the Hall of Fame. We finally got Drew Par- Drew Pearson in the Hall of Fame in the last couple of years. Howley. Um, Chuck Howley in the Hall of Fame this year. Those literally were held back because people were like, well, yeah, they were good, but they lost two Super Bowls to the Steelers. And Ed Tuttle Jones and uh, Harvey Martin. Harvey Martin in '77, if you counted stat, sacks, would have had 23 sacks. Which they went back and started counting. But them. they still won't give him the record, right. which is weird to me. If you're going to count him on his stats, well, then now that should be the record. Yeah, I, I don't. That's just one of those weird so things. In, so in the next podcast, when we talk about the '78 to '85 Cowboys, in 1982, a lot was going on. One was a strike. Yeah, and two was the sack became an official NFL stat. Yeah, which was something that had not been heard of. And so, again, if, if you're going to put on – if you're going to say – if the Hall of Fame and the NFL records are going to say, yes, he got 23 sacks, yeah. well, then he should have the record now. That makes that That's weird to me. Yeah. Uh, I, but I get it. You, you, you do the whole on-the-field ceremony and stuff. But anyway, so the 1977. Let, let's go ahead and go let, – let, before we do that, uh, one of the things, they didn't play in a Thanksgiving game. People forget about that, the fact that St. Louis for two years – was the home team in the Thanksgiving game. And, and the ratings were so bad that <laughs> yeah. the NFL was like, yeah, let's put it back to Dallas. And we'll talk about that because this film, the 77 film, which was technically the 78 year because they always made the films in the spring. Right. This is what led to what will be called America's team. And, and I'll, I have a hot sports opinion about that in the next show. So check that out. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the Thanksgiving game proved that St. Louis had them for, and St. Louis was good. This was the the, the Coriel St. Louis years yeah. uh, with Jim Hart at quarterback, and they they were a thorn in the Cowboys' side in the seventies. Uh, but they just didn't draw, so the, the the NFL was like, "We'll give it back to the Cowboys in seventy six or seventy eight. Uh, but here's your starting lineup. Now, for me, growing up, this is like the greatest starting lineup ever: quarterback Roger Staubach, running back Tony Dorsett, and he wasn't a star to begin the year. Uh, Robert Newhouse, fullback, wide receiver, Drew Pearson, wide receiver, Golden Richards, tight end, Billy Joe Dupree. Of course, you had Butch Johnson, though, who basically got as many snaps. Yeah. 
And then an offensive line that, to be honest with you, really should have a couple in the Hall of Fame. Ralph Neely, Herbert Scott, John Fitzgerald, Tom Rafferty at guard, who would eventually come over and be center for the 80s teams and make multiple Pro Bowls, and then right tackle Pat Donovan. But here's the defense. I mean, this is if you're if you're looking if you know the league, this is this is roster baiting in its best right here. And, and remember, I told you how great I thought the '71 defense was. Yeah, and we even talked about what, how how Adderley and all that. Yeah. Well, it, the front four for both of those the, the, for this one, too tall, too tall Jones, Ed Jones, Jethro Pugh playing out his last legs, yeah. but still really good. Randy White and Harvey Martin, fantastic. And then you've got linebackers. Thomas Anderson, hang on. Thomas Anderson, Bob Brown, and D.D. Lewis. And D.D. Lewis is another one that probably should be in the Hall of Fame. The, all the linebackers, I mean, think about it. Tom Landry created a 4-3 with the Giants so that he had a, a stud uh, linebacker in Sam Huff, and he wanted to make sure that Sam Huff could flow to the ball. So, obviously, Dallas had amazing linebackers. The problem is, is it's held against them that Tom Landry had created the 4-3 because they're not giving their due as great linebackers. Oh, it's the system. It's the system. Yeah, but, I mean, Hollywood Henderson was pretty special. Yeah, he just couldn't – I mean, he was his own worst enemy. Hollywood Henderson a- was was Lawrence Taylor but couldn't handle the drugs. Yeah. I mean, seriously, you listen to anybody from the 70s, Hollywood Henderson was the first Lawrence Taylor. He just – he could not stay on the field. He returned kicks. A linebacker returned kicks. If you'd have put Hollywood Henderson in the Dolphins 3-4 – He'd have had 20 sacks, 25 sacks in the 70s multiple times. If you could have just put Hollywood Henderson hand on the ground as a 3-4 linebacker to go after the quarterback, it would have been crazy because he was as fast as, as, as Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, another uh, part of this defense is uh, uh, the other linebacker, Bobby or Bob uh, Brunig. Bob Brunig, yep. Yeah, bro, sorry, Bob Brunig. Uh, he replaced Leroy Jordan, who yep. retired after the Another 70s. guy who should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, there's uh, so many Cowboys that should be in the Hall of Fame. Anyway, go ahead and continue with the rest of the, the defense. D.D. Lewis and then the cornerbacks. People forget about the cornerbacks, but Benny Barnes and Aaron Kyle, now they were propped up. You had maybe the best two safeties in the league at that time in Charlie Waters, Cliff Harris. Cliff Harris just made the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. Charlie Waters will probably never get in, and I'm fine with that. He's a, on the border. If he got in, I'd be happy for him. And, but If Darren Woodson's not going to get in, then – I don't think Charlie Waters. Well, I think Darren Woodson gets in. I think Darren Woodson gets in just like Harris and Halley. He kind of gets forget. Speaking of, if we want to talk about all those great 90s offensive line, why is Larry Allen the only one that's ever got into the Hall of Fame? The Great Wall of Dallas, as we always called them back when we were growing up. Sure. So I was going to say, I I still think the 71 defense is better just because of the cornerbacks. I, I agree. Now, Aaron Kyle and Benny Barnes, this is probably their best stretch, 77 to 79, but I feel that Herb Adderley and Mel Renfro are going to be uh, much better. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Aaron Kyle, I mean, they were good. Kyle and Barnes were, were very good, but you had a pass rush that led the league yeah. in sacks. And, and not only sacks, but just we were talking about it. They just lived in the backfield. Yeah. like. That's the whole highlights of the 77 Cowboys. And, and when we get to, like, the 92 Cowboys, we're going to talk about a player that kind of uh, put them over the edge that was living in the backfield. Didn't get the sacks necessarily, but was just having a date with the quarterback. Every time. Every time. Yeah. All right. And so, of course, the big move for Dallas, they knew they needed a home run tight back. That literally was the only thing missing from that offense. Yeah, with, with the, the great draft and the great trades, they uh, they addressed every other piece except for running back a 
a uh, breakaway running back. Yeah, you had Preston Pearson, and, and, and we talked about Calvin Hill had moved over to the league. Walt Garrison retired. Dan Reeves had already retired three years before. In fact, Dan, Dan Reeves was a coach on this team. So they make a trade with Seattle. I, I, I tried to look up. I don't know what they really gave up. I mean, it wasn't a lot. Maybe just a couple of seconds or something. You got to remember, this isn't a time when the Cowboys dominated drafting. And, and the reason they did is they used computers and they they went after players that necessarily didn't play football in college. Yeah. Um, and, and, and in the next podcast, we're going to talk about the – uh, scouting combine yes and how kind of no dallas kind of created uh, that cre- yeah yeah every, every other teams are like wait they're already doing that so why don't we do that for the league exactly uh so they they make a trade and they get heisman trophy winner uh tony dorsett funny enough from the college of pittsburgh uh and as we talked about it it took him a few games to really get into starting but even early on you knew that that was it. You watch any highlight find and, and like he would get five carries and have a touchdown in yeah. 70 yards, uh, but he wasn't doing the little things. And then also this is where we talked a little bit about before Landry didn't handle improvisation in his offense. Well, and Tony Dorsett was a run to daylight. There's two different things. Like the reason I always say that, you know, we can talk about the offensive line for the nineties, but what made that running game work well is Emmett Smith wasn't a run to daylight. Emmett Smith ran where you told him to ran, and he if it was four yards, he got four yards. If it was 20 yards, he got 20. And he never got lit up. He never got lit up. He never had many multiple. Like, you, you, you didn't have a game where he had 10 carries for 15 yards. Tony Dorsett was the exact opposite. Tony Dorsett would change field direction. Blocking was to left, but the play collapsed. He would cut right. There's a famous – I, I, I tried to find it to put in here, but I couldn't find it enough to cut it. Uh, but there's a play where against the Cardinals where he cuts into the gap it's closing up, and he literally just roll, rotates out and goes all the way across the field. Landry didn't handle that well, and I think that's why Landry didn't let him start early enough. And we go back to that was the knock on Tom Landry, a little bit too robotic at times, a little bit too like we do it my way, and that's the only way. But after that St. Louis game, Landry got into the film room. This, this is a famous story where he basically said, all right, you know what? Dorset runs different. So offensive line, just block your guy. Keep your head on their hat. And he kind of created zone blocking without doing it, if you think about it, because that's literally what it was. Instead of we're running this, 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 you go this gap, it's hand the ball off the door set, door set, you pick the hole. That's literally zone blocking. That's what Mike Shanahan did with the Broncos and why you had Olandis Gary running for 1,000. Mike Anderson, the Marine, running for 1,000 yards. And it's not that they were bad running backs, but it was – the offensive line basically blocked everybody and you chose where you went. And so again, one of the times that you got to give Landry credit, he basically kind of not scrapped his offense, but said, we're going to do things different. But at the end of the day, dude, it's the defense that, that, that this whole season is about the defense, this defense for both, for both teams in the Super Bowl, for both teams in the Super Bowl, but Dallas, man. Th- so th- this is what their points were. And again, this is, this is back in the old school. There, there are two games they lost. So let's go ahead and let's go ahead. They go eight. No, they beat the Giants 24 to 10. I think that was on Monday night, if I remember. No, it wasn't. It was on 1 o'clock. Oh, no, I'm sorry. St. Louis was on Monday night. So they go into that St. Louis game in, at home, and they lose to St. Louis 24 to 17. Uh, that was one of those games. I was watching the highlights. St. Louis just answered everything Dallas did. They just answered back. They just yeah. answered back. Give them credit. And then the next week, they lose to Pittsburgh, 28-13. to 13. Again, it's Pittsburgh. As much as we talk about early 70s, 
Uh, Dallas was a great matchup against Miami. Pittsburgh was just a bad matchup for Dallas. Yeah. They were almost there, but they, Dow, uh, Pittsburgh just did a couple things different that Dallas just could never answer. Uh, but then they answered back again, and they they finished on a four-game winning streak. But here's the points scored against them. 10, 21, 7, 24, 16, 10, 0, 10, 24, 28, 7, 14. The odd shot, uh, shootout against San Francisco to end the year, 35, 6, and then in the playoffs, 7, 6, 10. Now, we as Cowboy fans, you and I, we also like to be honest. Let's honestly admit that that was probably the greatest possible playoff teams Dallas could play back-to-back-to-back and beat because Minnesota was having an offensive crisis that year, but their defense was really, really good. Chicago was Walter Payton and nobody else. Okay, the NFC title game, it was against the Vikings. Yes. It was kind of a blowout in the sense that the 71 NFC title game was against the 49ers. But in this case, Tarkenton was not playing in this game. He was hurt. He was out. Exactly. So, I mean, it was already an L for the Vikings. Yeah, Bob Lee, the great Bob Lee. The great Bob Lee. I mean, okay, so the NFC title game was more known for uh, the fire incident. Yeah, the fire in the stands. Exactly. Good. Wow. You've done your research. (laughs) Dude almost (laughs) died in the stands and... The game just, nah, hey, look, there's a guy on fire. That, that If you watch the highlights from that, they actually show the camera over there, and then they just they don't talk about it anymore. Yeah. I mean, think about that now. The, the, everything would be shut down. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I'm not saying that, th- that they're wrong now. That's what it should be. This guy literally, he survived, yeah. but he could have died very easily. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's why I say sometimes to win a Super Bowl, even great teams, you need a benefit of a run. And, and Chicago was not great. They had Walter Payton and a young defense. They over they, they exceeded. And it was in a in a weak NFC Central division. Yeah, a very weak. You know, so the they Vikings were nine were, and six and won the division. They, they were they were getting old. The only competition was the Vikings. The mm-hmm. Packers prime was already long gone. And the Lions were the Lions. So it and the Lions wouldn't get good until the early 80s. So it, it was a situation where it was prime for the Pickens, and they, they, they needed to have a fourth team, and it was just happened, so happened to be the Bears. But they only, all they had was Walton Payton. It wasn't going to be until like 82, 83 when they actually were a competitive team. Yeah, and then the Rams, the other team in the playoffs, they again, like, uh, you know, they brought – that's the year they brought in Joe Namath. Joe Namath. And he started four games and was absolutely terrible. And Pat Hayden stepped in. And Pat Hayden went eight and two. He threw 11 touchdowns and six interceptions. Uh, Vince Ferragamo was hurt. He played three games but didn't start. So, again, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you sometimes have to admit that I I don't know if Dallas gets through it if everybody – I think they do because I really do think this was – you know, we'll talk about this when we end this series of looking back at the Super Bowl teams. I do think this is one of the best teams in NFL history. Yeah. I think when they did the the America's game, so when people forget when they first did America's game, they were basically rating all the Super Bowl winners. Who was the best? And I think this one got like fifth. In fact, it got over 92, and I do take exception to that because I think the 92 team, we'll talk about that later, but I, I yeah. think the 92 team, 93, I, I think the 90s team were way more dominant. And I think they're similar in the sense that they're both young. Yes, the exactly. The 71 team was very experienced, but the 77 team was pretty young with all those great draft picks. Good from point. So, and uh, 92, and honestly, if there was no salary cap, think about 94. All those guys are still there. You know, that's that, that's, and this is something we'll talk about, but hey, this is what we do. 
Jerry Jones and Carmen Policy and DeBartlo for the Niners, they're the ones that push for the salary cap. And the reason is, is they didn't want to pay these guys, but they didn't want to be labeled as cheap or didn't want to pay. So they literally created a manufactured debt ceiling. Yeah. Just to go ahead and say it, uh, where we, oh, I can't pay for Ken Norton Jr. We'd love to. Oh, Alvin Harper. Oh, man, we'd really love Alvin Harper. Well, they they wanted a fair competition. They wanted. uh, They didn't want to pay. But I'm saying. I know, I know. That's what they were saying. So, like, the Carolinas of the world, the Jacksonvilles of the world, the more low-budget franchises could actually compete. Because, honestly, if this was soccer style, where you could just pay however much you want, Jerry Jones trying to avoid this, like you were saying, you could. Oh, he would have paid. I mean, and now, and now you're seeing it with the quarterback salaries. Yeah, they're through the roof. Just a mid-level quarterback's going to get twenty-five, thirty million a year. Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott. I mean, I love Dak, Daniel but I mean, Jones. Daniel Jones, four years, one hundred and sixty. Crazy. Think about that, man. We're going to get to a point. And that's why I love this show. We're talking to 77 Cowboys. Uh, but we're going to get to a point where you're going to get more Jalen Hurts type, where Jalen Hurts technically took a little less money. It sounds big, but if you actually look at the years per, yeah. th- that's what's going to happen. And 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 because at some point, you know, players are going to be like, yeah, 200 million is great, but I can make 150 million and still win, you know, Super Bowl. Anyway, let's go back to the 77 team. Yes, All right. So 77, as we talked about, they start 8 0. Their closest game in that eight no stretch was the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm telling y'all, St. Louis was St. Louis is everybody thinks that the blue jersey curse started with the Baltimore Colts Colts Super Bowl in '70. The blue curse jersey started because St. Louis always made Dallas wear the blue jerseys in St. Louis, and St. Louis was St. Louis man. I'm telling you, they were a team like this year in '77. They were seven and seven. And, and they were always right there. They were ten and four in seventy six. Uh, they were eleven and three in seventy five. Yeah, they they won the division in back to back. Yes, I mean, it, but their their problem was is they just they could never get past that playoff. That that's where they always that always got them. And the Rams beat them yeah. uh, in seventy five. And, and so, but they were always a thorn in the Cowboys' side. So that was the closest game at that point until they lost to St. Louis, uh, and then Pittsburgh, and then after that, man, you, you could just kind of tell that. Dallas kind of said, "All right, well, we're we're, we're right in the ship now. Let's go." Yeah, they, they after that Steeler loss, hey, that that defense shut down everybody except for one game. Like you said, that odd shootout against the 49ers and Candlestick, and, and that wasn't even a good 49er team. They were five and nine that year, uh, and they didn't even score a lot of points. In fact, they scored thirty five in that game. They only scored 220 for the total season. Uh, to give you comparisons, Dallas scored 345 that year. Yeah, I think 49ers quarterback was Jim Pluckett at this point. But, you know, that always happens. You look at good defenses, 84, 85 Bears, Miami Dolphins on Monday They're night. one loss. Yeah, they got blown out by the Dolphins. Everybody forgets that that Baltimore team, I can't remember who it was, there was a 38-35 game early in the year when Tony Banks actually led them to a victory. Yeah, that's right, Tony Banks. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember who it was against. So every great defense seems to have one or two games in a year where they just things just don't match up well or – give the credit to the other team. They just come up with a great game plan. Yeah. That's nothing wrong with that. Even yeah, if you look at the 85 bears, even not even that one loss early in the season, they were kind of, they were winning, but they were winning because of their offense, not necessarily because of their defense. Yeah. And going back to the 2000 Ravens, it was week two at home game against the Jaguars. They won 39 to 36. All right. So the season ends like this Dallas 12 and two, they make the playoffs. 
Washington nine and five sit at home um, because Chicago wins the tiebreakers. And this was the last year of the fourteen game schedule, yep. and the way it worked uh, was the division winners in each conference. There was three divisions in each conference. They would get into the playoffs, and then the wild, the the, the best non division winning team. So the the best record for someone that didn't win a division was one wild card. Yeah. But also, even if you had the number one seed, you couldn't play anyone in your division in the divisional round. Yeah, you, they, they did the baseball rule where you yeah. couldn't play your own division in the first round. You yeah. could in the second round going forward. Yeah, so. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, so the, uh, but in this season doesn't really matter because Dallas had the number one seed and the the wild card team, I think, believe was the Chicago Bears. Yeah, they were, they were nine and five. Them and the Vikings finished with the same record, but Minnesota won on tiebreakers. Yeah. Um, then the Rams won the West uh, over in the AFC. You want to talk about, again, not knocking Dallas. I mean, look at all the – we're obviously Dallas people, but right. we were talking about this off the air. Part of the reason of the success of the Dallas run in the 70s the NFC was, and you can even make the case in the '90s. The NFC was just two or three teams. The AFC is where everything was at. Uh, Baltimore wins the AFC East, ten and four. Miami sits at home with a ten and four record. Yeah, think about that. Uh, Pittsburgh wins the AFC Central, nine and five, but Cincinnati's eight and six. Houston's eight and six, and even Cleveland so, is six so and Houston eight. Houston beat Cincinnati to close out the season. Yes. I think that kind of. And I think Cincinnati makes the playoffs if they win that game. I think so too. Yeah. Ken Anderson, uh, that was when I think the uh, Oilers. In fact, it was. If, I think it was at home in Cincinnati. Uh, Oilers had like eight sacks, and Anderson threw like three interceptions. Oh wow! Uh, but even Cleveland is six and eight that year. And then in the AFC West, Denver twelve and two. The Raiders eleven and three, and are a wild card team. San Diego seven and seven. Uh, and then you had the Seahawks five and so, nine. The Chiefs. Okay, right? this so seventy seven was the last year of Don Coryell as a uh, Cardinal coach. And then the next year, the next year, I think toward the end of the year, he becomes the uh, uh, Chargers coach. And then you see like a four or five year run where the Chargers look like the best team in that conference. four or five, dude. You're talking almost seven years. Well, you, you mean, go back to that eighty six, eighty seven when Fouts got hurt, and, and they were still that's the they year they were, finished like six and two, and yeah, then ended up collapsing. Uh, the eighty seven strike year, yeah, yeah, they were eight and one, and then they lost their last six games. Yeah. So it, yeah. Uh, I, I just, I guess, when I think about those charges, I think about late seventies, early eighties, where they were had the either the best record or second best record in the conference, and they would make the playoffs. You know, in eighty, they made it to eighty and eighty one. They made it to the AFC title game. Yes, and they Cincinnati lost. game. Yeah, so it was eighty. They played the play at home against the Raiders. They lost in the eighty one. The uh, freezer, I don't know what the, the description of that game was, but it was one of the coldest games of all time. You know, I, I think at the time it was just literally called Ice Bowl 2. And oh, it was no. such a bad setup for the Chargers who threw the ball and, and didn't really – I mean, they ran when they needed to, but they weren't a run-first team. Yeah. Uh, the Chargers, the, the the weakness of those Chargers – why are we talking about this now? We're going to be talking this in 77, 78, 85. It's really your fault. Yeah, no, but but the, the – the, the weakness for the Chargers was their defense. Uh, that was always their their, yeah. their weakness, and they they just they they wanted to outscore you. But anyway, so we go into the playoffs. In the first round, you've got the Broncos pulling off. I technically, it's funny because the the Broncos are twelve and two. Yeah. There, there, there's this there's this idea built around this Bronco team, like they were Cinderella because they were at some point, but they were the number one seed. Yeah. 
they, you know, yeah, Pittsburgh and the Raiders and, and, and all that, but they were the number one seed. This wasn't a bad team by any stretch. Pittsburgh had already proven themselves. They already won two Super Bowls yes. at this point. And then the prior season, they went into the AFC title game without both their starting running backs against the Raiders in Oakland. Yes. So you already knew that Pittsburgh already had the confidence and they, they, they should have won this game. But oh, man, it, maybe. It, it, it was it was tied at 21 in the fourth quarter and then the Broncos just pulled it away. Yeah, they, they scored 13 points in that fourth quarter. Uh and it was uh, two field goals and a 34-yard pass from Craig Morton. We, uh, of course, remember that name. That's right. Former quarterback for the Cowboys in the first Super Bowl. Yeah. Had been jetsoned off to the Giants. And much like Fran Tarkenton, who went to the Giants and struggled, eventually found his way to the Broncos. And he wasn't great. Let's be let's be honest. We, we talked about this, you and I, off the air. He didn't need to be. He didn't need to be, but I mean, he did when it needed to be. Yes, I mean, in the Super Bowl, he need kind of like '06 um, Ravens with Steve McNair. Rest in peace. Oh, I keep forgetting that. I mean, they were thirteen and three at the two seed. They they won a lot of close games just because of him. He was kind of their difference maker. Yes, that's kind of how I equate it to the '77 Broncos. Craig Morton got them out of situations they typically were not going to win in prior years. They would have, they probably would have still finished eight and six, yeah, nine and five. But he, because of his leadership, his experience, he, they were able to push it to. 12 and 2. And they had a great defense. Randy Granishar, Tom Jackson. I mean, it was a loaded defense and they could run the ball. They got about 16, 1800 yards during the season. They had a three running back platoon. They had a lot of different players that were uh, very crucial to their success. As a fan of teams that have great depth, this was one of those teams. They just, they were so good at just throwing someone out. Kind of like with the San Francisco 49ers of today's age. They can just throw someone out there. They'll get you 500 yards. That's a good comparison. You you look at their leading wide receiver, Haven Moses. Yeah, great player. 539 yeah. yards, four touchdowns. Jack Doblin, 443 yards. Riley yeah. Odom, 429 yards. Rick Upchurch, 240. Upchurch, I mean, great, great return guy. Yes, but 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 just not not a – there wasn't a guy that Dallas was like, okay, we've got to stop this guy. And, and – Watch, watch the Super Bowl, rewatch it on YouTube. Uh, Upchurch's jersey color looks different oh, yeah, than you, everybody else's jersey color. Yeah, I was telling you, I, I miss the days when you just have weird jersey unevenness. Yeah. Like that's a little bit more rad. I always want the, I always want the backstory of how that happened. Yeah, that's what uh, Uni Watch he used to be on ESPN, but he now has his own blog. He he like oh. he tells those kind of stories, but yeah, that's that's probably just one of those that just died different. They're just yeah. like eh, take it. Uh, but in comparison, you had Drew Pearson in fourteen games, eight hundred and seventy yards. But he only this is the weird thing. He only had two touchdowns. Yeah. Um. So, you know, Tony Hill was on this team, but he was a rookie. Up, yeah, he didn't. He only had two catches, twenty one yards. Yeah. But but think about that. There was only I say only, but there was eighteen touchdowns and. It's funny because what we knocked the Broncos for, you almost give the Cowboys credit for, they spread the ball out. Yeah. Pearson, two touchdowns. Preston Pearson's four touchdowns. Uh, Billy Joe Dupree, this is receiving, three touchdowns. Tony Dorsett, one touchdown. Golden Richardson, three touchdowns. Jay Salati, again, a tight end, a backup tight yeah. end who on any other team would have started. He was a clutch guy. Robert yeah. Newhouse, one touchdown. Uh, where, where Dallas did it, though, was the rush. Tony Dorsett, 1,000 yards. Robert Newhouse, 700 yards. Uh, Preston Pearson, 341 yards. Uh, 
Roger Staubach, 171 yards. Yeah. Doug Dennison, who ended up as a giant, <laughs> I think. Uh, Doug Dennison with a touchdown. But that, but you, as you talked about in the open, they ran for 200 or 2,300 yards and 21 touchdowns. Yeah. They threw for 2,600 yards and 18 touchdowns. And you combine that together, it's almost 5,000 yards of total offense. Uh, but it's almost 40 touchdowns for the defense or for the you know, combined uh, rushing and receiving touchdowns. It was a very well balanced team. They didn't, if they, and if, when, when we go into the next podcast, when we're talking about the 78 to 85 Cowboys, you realize, oh, wait, they can still throw the ball. Oh, yeah. Especially with the emergence of Tony Hill. And then in the, later in the 80s with Doug Cosby, they're getting 3,500 yards per season. It's not like they couldn't throw that much here. And again, 79 Cowboys with Roger Staubach. That was Staubach's best year. Yes. His last year it was, was, it was his best year. And they were throwing a lot more by that point. Well, I, I still think you were in an era at this time where even an, an innovative coach like uh, Tom Landry it was – Get up and just get home. Yeah. Like just, you know, if you're up 16-3, 90s Cowboys. If you're up 16-3, shut her down, just run the ball. Let's Parcells go. Parcells would do that in the 80s. Parcells would do that in the 80s. I mean, again, that that used to be the modern that was football. You you get yeah. up quick and then you, you know, we, we all think that everybody in the 70s and 80s and 90s ran the ball. You did, but you threw early. Yeah. Got your touchdowns, and then you just sat on your, you let your war horse running back hey, run the ball 25 times. Next month, when we talk about the 90s Cowboys, that was their model. They would get a 14 to 3. Aikman would throw almost 200 yards in the first half. And then end up with 240 yards yeah, for the whole he would, game. He would only throw, he would, he would get two completions in the second half, but they were third and four completions yep. to Novacek. And they would just hand it off to Emmett the rest of the way. Exactly. Uh, and also, this is a weird thing about this team. Usually, when you talk great defenses, you, you, like the you know you, you stick out the the yeah. well the Dallas the, the doomsday the two doomsday defenses the 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 Pittsburgh Steelers the 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 all steel curtain the the fearsome foursome the eighty four bear eighty five bears the two thousand Ravens turnovers yeah and while this team got turnovers they only had two defensive touchdowns. Thomas Henderson had one, an interception for 75 yards. And then uh, Jay Salati actually, that's actually, I, 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 so they only had one because that was actually a fumble. I remember seeing that play on the highlight. Okay. Uh, Tony Dorsett fumbled and Salati fell in. So for a team that was big on sacks, they got a lot of turnovers, but they it wasn't like the defense was opportunistic score-wise. Uh, no. th this is, I'm telling you, this was such a weird year researching because they're so dominant, but they're not like winning every game 28 to three or anything. Like a lot of these games were one possession games that Dallas was just making enough plays to win. I wonder if coaching was an issue at this point. What do you mean? <laughs> well, I mean, with this talent, like we, you and I both look at the starting say, yeah. line. Yeah, they, they should have probably been winning by even bigger scores, but they're probably just like, oh, okay. Uh, we're at a point where we're going to win this game. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and close it out. We don't, we don't need to run up the score. Uh, but I mean, if you look at it, Dallas Cowboys had 21 interceptions that season. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they got turnovers yeah, and they got sacks. And they had a huge amount of sacks. Sawback and company only allowed 10. They got 53 sacks. If when you go <laughs> when, when when they went back and uh, started counting the sacks, they only gave up 33. So I mean, it's really situational. Like they're 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 uh, creating more sacks than they're giving up. They're turning the ball or they're creating turnovers more than they're giving up the ball. So 
that's a recipe for at least a playoff team. Oh, I guess we talked about it earlier. I thought that Harvey Martin was credited with 23 sacks. They only credit him with 20, 20 sacks. So that's why maybe they did. That's why they maybe didn't give him. I don't know why I thought it was 23. Um, yeah, from, from 76 to 80. I mean, he was beasting. And really he had a, except for his last year, every year from 73 to 82, he was just, feasting on teams yeah well i mean in, in you know 82 is that weird year where they didn't you know he ends up with eight sacks that literally which, could have been his best year i mean yeah i mean if the whole season would have played out nine games eight sacks yeah exactly yeah. um and, and we'll talk about that too that's another thing in that 78 to 85 ed tutal jones just kept getting better the older he got his best year was 85 well i mean we'll, we'll talk about it but in, after in you know, 79 he he didn't play football yeah he quit for well that was actually 78 78 to 80. He I mean, 78, 79. He was not on that second team that lost to the Steelers. Oh, I, did, I, think. Oh, I thought he was on that team. I think it well, yeah, because they talk about when they came back that next year yeah. to defend the Super Bowl, he's not on the team because he becomes a boxer. But we'll talk about that. All right. So let's go to the playoffs now. Um, I meant to go there earlier and we kind of got off tangent. That's what happens. You keep doing that. That's what we do on these shows. That's when we call it out during the coverage. All right. So uh in the playoffs, and if you don't know. Uh, each one of these shows, that's what we put on the uh, the screen is that's the the helmets. That's the playoffs. Uh, Dallas played uh, Chicago. Minnesota played the Rams in the first round. Denver played the Steelers. The Raiders played the Colts in the first round. Uh, the Cowboys, the Vikings win. Of course, the Broncos and the Raiders win. So you set up this AFC West matchup. Uh, and I think everybody thought, and I'm, I'm saying like I was there. I was. I was two years old. But I think just reading back, everybody thought, okay, this has been a great season for Oakland. But yeah. the Raiders finished one game behind them. They're the Raiders. But the Raiders kind of have the Cowboys thing of as great as they were, they tended to not play well sometimes in the biggest game. And, and this was one of those games as they just couldn't do anything right against Denver. Now, it wasn't mile high. And yeah. you have a – I mean, we were talking about this in, at the beginning of this – how fun that had to have been your team not only comes out of nowhere after 20 years makes the first playoffs in the new NFL and then not only makes the playoffs with the number one seed and they make it to the Super Bowl so you, you kind of just wonder at that point maybe they just were you know playing under that magical they couldn't lose until they got to Dallas but honestly th this should have been a Ra Raiders Cowboys Super Bowl yeah, really, this was probably the closest to that actually happening and it's, it's very sad you know going back though the divisional rounds kind of had two great nicknames for games. You know, the Raiders and Colts played the the Ghost, Ghost of the, the Post game. A great game that kind of ended the Baltimore run. They were another team that was always right on that fringe. Burt yeah. Jones and that group just couldn't quite get through the the, Ra uh, the Raiders and the Steelers. Yeah, there was a couple of errors in the 70s for the Colts. There was the early 70s with the the, the dying old breed from the 50s and 60s yeah. and then they had a couple lull years and then Burt Jones came in there in 75 77 they had some really good teams just couldn't do it in the playoffs um and after this game I don't think they made the playoffs until they left to, yeah to Indianapolis yeah that's right yeah I guess so yeah I don't I, I don't know why I was, thought they sneaked in one last, more year but is, I guess you're right I think this is this is her last great year before they left. That's in, right. In, uh, Baltimore after the '83 season. '78, they were five and eleven. Ted Marchabrot is uh, still there. Five and eleven in '79, he was fired. Then Mike McCormick, Mike McCormick. Oh god, they were bad. Oh my god, yeah. I did not realize in the the uh, shortened. Right. Yeah, they, they, they oh, eight and one. Yeah. Uh, so. Then they were seven and nine in '83, and then four and twelve. Sorry, we're, we're now on the Colts 
history. Dude, this team was 96 of 96, 87. Was, when, but that was when they got Eric Dickerson. That was they were nine and six. Yeah. That was the next time. So they did With, make the uh, playoffs before Ron they changed. Meyer, yes, Ron oh, Meyer, yeah. the SMU coach who you know looked the other <laughs> way. Uh, but so so in, so they did make yeah eighty seven when they moved that they made the playoffs and that like I said that's when they made the trade for Eric Dickerson. And um, on the NFC side in seventy seven, they had Minnesota and the Rams in the Mud Bowl. Yep, I mean that that's was, a fun one to watch. Yeah, so this was in the game in L A. And there was a bunch of torrential storms that were coming in. It was a what a fourteen to seven final for the Vikings. Yep, and it was a Vikings team that was on their last legs. They had made the Super Bowl the prior year, got shellacked by the Raiders. You know, uh, old man Willie running uh, interception. Willie Lanier. Six. No, it was uh, Willie Horton. Was it Willie? I thought it was Willie Lanier. Lanier. Was, Willie uh, Wood. Willie. Now Willie Woods of Davis. Was it Willie Davis? Maybe. Okay, now I gotta do real time. I think show. we both have drank the coverage. But yeah, this is our uh, first show, dude. Oh man. Now Willie Davis was a defensive end. That would have been even better. I think he was well, whoever the cornerback was that had the, the the pick six in that 76 Super Bowl. Anyway. Yeah. Willie was, Brown. Willie Brown. 75 sorry. yards. Sorry. See, I told you it was Willie Brown. Sometimes we just got oh, speaking of, guess who befriended me on Facebook? No lie. John Allen? No, Jack Squirk. Oh, Oh, yeah. We'll uh, be talking about him in the next show. Yeah, in the 83 Super Bowl. Yeah, he Raiders intercepts and, the screen uh, pass. Yeah, Raiders and uh, Redskins. Redskins. Yeah. Yep. He, yeah. He, 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 uh, anyway, I forgot to back over. So when I think of that Super Bowl, I, I think of uh, America's Game on NFL Network. Todd Christensen. Yeah, Christensen, like, starting to tear up. Running with the Knights. Oh, man, <laughs> he's dead, too. Yeah, RIP. He was a great personality. Former Cowboy. Well, for a minute, a, a part of uh, what we'll talk about in the next podcast about the bad. Well, one, it was a, that one's a good draft pick. Yeah. But what we did with him. <laughs> well, was, I mean, the problem. I, I know we joke about it, but you put his numbers up with Doug Cosby at the time. Raiders ran a different system. You know, I, I get why Dallas didn't keep that, that. That's what. So, again, burying the lead here. But that's a lot of the story of what Dallas did going forward is they had two good players and good players got cut and moved on to other league or yeah. other teams and were good players and it hurt Dallas. But anyway, all right. So Dallas in the playoffs uh, again, uh, they get I think the best break. They start off the playoffs by playing the Chicago Bears, yeah. uh, who basically had Walter Payton and no one else. And they dominated 37 to seven. Chicago doesn't score till like in the fourth quarter. Uh, they held Chicago to 132 yards passing uh, on the game. Uh, hang on, let me get, let me pull that up. Uh, let me oh, make sure I got that right. Uh, no, has, 81 yards passing. Oh, wow. And they, I'm sorry, 170. Okay, I'm sorry. It's 177 yard passing, but four interceptions. Uh, Bob Avellini. Uh, mainly, though, they held Walter Payton to 19 carries for 60 uh, yards, no touchdowns. Um, Walt Roger Staubach only threw 13 times. One yeah. touchdown, one interception, two sacks. But you had Tony Dorsett with 85 yards, yeah. Robert Newhouse with 80 yards, and Doug Dennison. I, I never realized, <laughs> honestly, as much as I know, you know, D Doug Dennison, one of those, he retired after 78. He was just like, okay, I'm good. Got my ring. Yeah, I got my ring. I'm yeah. fine. I'm, I'm just going to quit. Uh, but he was, again, he had 500 yards for Dallas in 76. He only had 60 in 77. So think about that. In the regular season, he only had 60 yards. In that playoff game, he had 40 yards of the touchdown. Wow. Um, but, but again, it was that defense. The Dallas defense on the day, uh, they had three sacks, 
three uh, fumble recoveries, four interceptions. And, and it, for all the talk about what Landry did offensively, he was always at home as the defensive guy. And let's not forget, people, if you don't know, if you're young, Tom Landry was the offensive and defensive coordinator. Um, Ernie Stautner was technically the defensive coordinator, the Hall of Famer from Pittsburgh, but Landry called all the plays. Stautner got everything ready. Um, and, and as great as this offense and as, 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 you know, as all the trick plays, at the end of the day, Landry and that doomsday defense, man, at this time, there was no better defense. I mean, them in the steel curtain were the two best. And I still contend that those are t- still two of the top defenses of all time. Yeah. I don't even think it's because of the uh, the talent with the other teams in the league. It, they were just great teams, great players that played as a team. Um, yeah. And this game kind of epitomized it. I mean, it was a combination of Chicago only have one, really one star at this point in Walter Payton. Uh Charlie Waters had three of the seven turnovers that the Cowboys had in this game. It, it was there's really not much else to say other than the fact that this is the Bears' first playoff game in 14 seasons. And they uh, the the last playoff game the Bears had during this time was the '63 title game, and this was a couple of years before the Super Bowl was even a creation. Think about that. You, you've got Dick Buckus and yeah. you've got Gail Sayers, two iconic. And I know Gail Sayers didn't play long enough because of his injuries, but you know, for all the talk about George Hallis, sure seems like he left a lot of talent that they could have done better. Uh, and it's weird that everybody talks about Papa Bear and what he did, but a lot of that was very early in his career. And then they didn't really, I mean, they were a laughing stock in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. I mean, they were even a laughing stock up until the early eighties. They were good enough to uh, starting from now. They're good enough to be around the, the playoffs. And then Mike Dicka and buddy yeah. Ryan and all that. But, I mean, even then there's a combination of the, the Packers and Vikings sucking. After, after yeah, the the Vikings went into a big them and the Packers both uh, until Lynn Dickey became a, a player for Packers and even then he never quite could yeah. get them over the hump. This was a, a, the NFC North was crappy. The or NFC, then yeah. it was the Central the NFC North. Yeah, Central was was much different after the Vikings made the Super Bowl after seventy six. Yeah, and the Lions were terrible the always. Lions, yeah, and then but because of how bad this division was, the Vik or the the Lions actually I think won the division in eighty two or eighty three. I think yeah. eighty three. Yeah, I think so. And they almost beat the 49ers in the playoffs in that season too. It was just a weird season where, or weird stretch for that division where it was just no real competition, but someone has to come out of that division. Yeah. They so. went nine and seven that year, nine and seven won wow. them the division and they lose to San Francisco 24 to 23. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that was just a that that was just a bad year. The North was bad or the central at the time was bad. You didn't even yeah. think, you know, it's funny. You look back, in the 90s with, with Green Bay and then the Vikings in the late 80s and yeah. Green Bay in the 90s and, and the Lions, people think that the North or now the North, what was then the Central, was way more competitive throughout the years. And it really wasn't. Well, I mean, all the Vikings needed in those late 80s was Herschel Walker. Eric Hiffel in 83 threw for 12 touchdowns, 18 interceptions for the first place Detroit Lions. All right, so let's, again, this is what we do in this show. We're literally burying the lead of the next show. All right, so Dallas beat Chicago 37-7, to and as we talked about, uh, the uh, Broncos, they beat Pittsburgh 34-21. That sets up the uh, NFC title game and the AFC title game. Two, again, matchup-wise, great. Dallas versus Minnesota, oh, yeah. again. Yeah. Um, this is the Fourth out of six years. Yeah, fourth out of six years that they played. But and, without thinking of it, 
it sounds great. But when you start going into the details, I'm like, uh, yeah, exactly. This looks like a mismatch. Well, yeah, and it was. Um, but but again, though, they had played, and don't forget, they also had played in the Hail Mary year. Yeah. Which is funny. You talk about it. Think about all the great memories we think about the Hail Mary. Yeah. Goes to the post. Both of those were in divisional rounds, and neither one of those teams won the Super Bowl. That year, but those are two of the Correct. top moments in the seventies that I mean, you hey, think of. The, the next year, the the Holy Roller, Oakland, Holy Roller, and uh, the Chargers, yep. which changed the rules of football for yeah. a while. I don't even think the Raiders made the playoffs. I don't think so. Yeah, that was that was that odd. Every great team in that era—Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Dallas—the yeah. Rams. They had one year where they had to kind of reload, but they had injuries, so they were able to reload quicker. But anyway. So the Broncos and the Raiders, as we talked about, that was, you know, I think that was the hot game of the week. And I understand why. They, they were, you know, division uh, teams. They had played two great games. And for all the talking we say about it, and, you know, did Denver, you know, they kind of Cinderella and all. I mean, their playoff run up until Dallas was pretty damn good. I mean, they they took it to the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, they forced a lot of turnovers. They win 20 to 17. They score late. Uh, I'm trying to get to the uh, – uh, Haven Moses, 12 yards. It was actually 20 to 10, and then Dave Casper scored to make it 20 to 17. Uh, o- uh, Oakland actually scored two times in the fourth quarter. I didn't realize this. I, I don't know why, but into the third quarter or into the fourth quarter, it was 14 to three, the Broncos. You, you had to be thinking as a Bronco, oh, here we go. Because that's what happened back then. The good teams always found the way. No matter what, they always found the way. Uh, Ken Stabler threw for 215 yards, but he had an interception. He was only sacked once. Uh, Mark Van Egan, a very forgotten running back for the Raiders, he had 71 yards. Uh, again, four Broncos. Craig Morton, 10 of 20, but for 224 yards. So they were, th- again, this is a different era, folks. Yeah. Uh, 10 of 20, 50% was still considered good because you're, you're completing. What's that? Out of 10, 22 yards of completion. Yeah. Like you're throwing the ball down the field. Plays. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's why when I, everybody always wants to say that like Aikman is overrated. Look at his stats. Realize where he threw the ball compared to Steve Young down the field. Yeah. If you'd have gave Aikman the Steve Young, and if you'd have gave Steve Young Dallas's offense, he would have been fine. Yeah. But he was throwing 15 yards, 20 yards on an average. They weren't, they weren't, you know, it was either. And these were precision routes. Precision routes. And so that's what they did in the 70s too. So, uh, but running wise, uh, Lonnie Perrin had, a, I don't, never even heard of him. Uh, 11 carries, 42 yards. Rob Lytle, heard of him. Seven carries, 26 yards. So much like, much like what they did all year, they won, but it wasn't pretty. Yeah. Stat wise, it was and even defensively, it wasn't like they, they got a sack uh, interception, and, and that's really it. But they did enough to win the game. Yeah, they were kind of a better version defensively than the 08 Steelers. They just won every game ugly in that sense. It, they, these weren't pretty wins. They, they, they would get big plays, but it, these were never pretty wins. I yeah, well, and again, I, I think a lot of that was the, the NFL back then. You know, you and I talked about that. Yeah. You just – you didn't – 300 yard days were just unheard of. Yeah. Um, a, a great, uh, a great running back was 80 yards. I mean, heck, Drew Pearson this year led the league again, 14 games, yeah. led the league in wide receiving with 870 yards. Wow. That's, even if you only played 14 games now, you're going to get two, three, maybe even eight receivers with a thousand yards. Correct. Yeah. Um, but that was, again, you just, you didn't play it that way. Uh, but anyway, so we go to the Super Bowl. It's in New Orleans, which, again, one of the things Dallas at that time always ended up playing in New Orleans. Uh, one of the Super Bowls, though, was not at the Superdome. Yeah, it was a Tulane stadium. Tulane stadium. That was the Dolphins. It was like 32 degrees that day. It's funny to see that. You look on that 71 and you see the, the breaths and how cold they were. But it was sunny, so it wasn't like the ice bowl by any stretch. Yeah. 
Uh, but this game was indoors. And once again, Noe, Dallas tried their best to give this game to Denver early in the game. For some reason, again, this I think this is where the motivation and the emotion. I just think Landry was too robotic in big games. And you saw it in this offense because the score is 27 to 10, but you had, you just watched it for the first time fully. And I think the thing I got from you was like, Jesus Christ, Denver was actually really good defensively in this game. They sacked the Cowboys more than the Cowboys sacked Denver. For all the talk about Harvey Martin and Randy White with the MVPs, they deserved it. But Denver was in the Dallas backfield too. Uh, but the, the difference was is you could tell after one drive, oh, Denver's not scoring when it matters in this game. And that's really where it came down to. Craig Morton was terrible. I feel bad for him. Four of 15, four interceptions, sacked twice. I, I, I was looking at some things. I was trying to count, and I, and I was watching, and I probably missed two, but out of the 15 times he dropped back, he was hit 15 times. Out of the 10 times that Norris Weiss dropped back, he was hit nine times. That's not even counting just the, the four sacks. Yeah. And that's where we talk about, you know, everybody talks about sacks. Sacks aren't the thing. It's quarterback pressures. Yeah. And in this game, anytime the quarterback planted that back foot, as I like to say, there was a cowboy in his face. And it just, honestly, Dallas should have won this game 65 to 10. If it wasn't for all those penalties and turnovers. Penalties and turnovers. And again, Landry tried to get too cute at times. Now, it does work. You know, you get the Robert Newhouse touchdown pass that basically sealed the deal. Yeah. Uh, but but they tried – I was watching, they tried to reverse with Drew Pearson right when they had moved over in the Denver territory, and they lose like 10 yards. That just absolutely killed the drive. Well, this is where I want to bring back Butch Johnson. Okay, Butch Johnson. He had three fumbles in this damn Yes, game. he did. The first play of on the oh the first play for the the Cowboys on offense, it's like a lateral fumbles the ball, and uh, the second time I think it was on a punt or a kickoff return possibly. Yep. yep, and he fumbles the ball, and then the last one it was it was his touchdown, which I'm not sure if that was incomplete or a fumble. It was to me it was not a catch. Well, okay, so <laughs> by the rules of that time, it was. Yeah, he technically had control. Which I think Pat Summerall uh, described it yeah. during. The, yeah, he, he actually yeah. did a good job. But but yeah, if you if you watch it, it, it might be playing up here on the highlights here soon. As we're just we were just playing the 77 highlights, and you'll see it while we're talking. By rule, that was a catch. In no way is it a catch in any other era, but that era. Because he does technically have the ball across the goal line, and that's all you needed to have back then. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you're a Denver player, like Tom Jackson, by the way, a rookie on this year, the great linebacker, should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, but it, I, I've seen him talk about this, like, yeah, you know, that was a great team, and Dallas goes 12-2, and two and they dominate. He goes, but we gave them the game, and I don't disagree at all. that they, they gave Dallas the game. That They just did have – they had no answer – for too tall and Harvey Martin and yeah. Randy White and, and then that secondary and and Charlie Waters had a great game in the secondary because he's able to tee off on these wide receivers because yeah. you know they're just throwing the ball. They're, I just as we're watching on the film right now, Morrison literally just four throws it like Brett Favre because he's in so much trouble. But again, and Broncos were getting pressure on Dallas too. They but were. The, but this is the difference, and it's kind of funny that it comes down to this: the difference in Craig Mortensen and Roger Staubach. Craig Morrison was a perfectly good quarterback if he had a clean pocket. Yeah. Roger Stallback shined when he didn't have a clean pocket. Yeah. And, and as much as I feel bad for Craig Mortensen, this 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 game 
is why Landry made the right choice. This is what what Roger Staubach gave to you. In fact, Tom Jackson had a sack in this game. Oh, here it is. Here's the Bush Johnson fumble on the on the film. You can't see the film. He's about to fumble it. Actually, that was Tony Hill that fumbled it on the kickoff return. No, I thought it was. That Bush was Tony Johnson. Hill. I'm watching it right here. It's uh, Tony. Hill. We'll blame Bush Johnson because we love Tony Hill. Yeah, Tony Hill's an underrated second wide receiver. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, you know th- this game kind of proved why Roger Staubach was picked over Craig Morton. I mean, the Broncos had eight total completions. For 61 total yards. So more hits on the quarterback than completions by yeah. the, the quarterback. I mean, it was That's complete crazy. domination. It was a close. I mean, okay. If you watch the game, I, I encourage everybody to, to go back it's and on watch YouTube. It. Yeah, under two and a half hours. No commercials. It's just the game. Yeah. To me, when I was watching it, I didn't realize how close this game was. Yeah. Exactly. Because 27 to 10 sounds like it's a big, you know, a typical blowout. Even with the turnovers. So. Toward the end of the game, it was it's 23 Dallas, but then Craig Morton gets benched for Norris Weiss. Norris Weiss leads them on a touchdown drive, which ends up with a Rob Little touchdown, I believe. Yep. Because of the 20 to 10. And then the, the last touchdown is the 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 uh, new house from the, Golden, the, yeah, uh, the, Golden Richards yeah. catches it, new house throws it. But Dallas on offense, I mean, Dallas, I think Dallas outgained the Broncos like 300 and something to 100 and something. I don't, yep. I don't even think the, the, the Broncos got over 150 yards of total offense. I, I, but I remember they got 181 total. Okay. 181 total. Uh, I mean, it was, it was so many, it was eight turnovers total for the Broncos in this game. Oh, actually, sorry. Didn't take away the 35 sack yards. Which, yeah. 156 yeah, so total. Net yards. Okay. Yes. So it was just a complete and utter blowout. The, the longest completion the Broncos had. The longest play the Broncos had was 21 yards, and that was in the first, first drive. It was literally the first play, if I'm and, not mistaken. And well, possibly. I have to go back and watch, but you know, you ever look in the history of football for the last 40, 50 years, most of the first drives are scripted. Yes. They already know what their first 15 plays are gonna be. But they didn't do that in this era. That was Bill Walsh that started that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that so, was the San Francisco. I man, stand he, corrected. Last forty something. Yeah, years, no, yeah, not that fifty something years. It, it might he might have started that with Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, but I do know for sure he was the one that started that in the eighties. Because you know why? Because John Madden would not shut up about it whenever the whenever the Niners would play. That he would talk about that for the first would drive. He, would, so did he talk about that more than he would talk about Brett Favre. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because I mean, you know, I. I'm a little younger. Yes. So I, I grew up with John Madden talking about Turducken and mm-hmm. Brett Favre. And Nate Newton sweat. And Nate Newton sweat. Yeah. And it would be a wide, like the, the, the camera would zoom in on Nate Newton's yep. butt. And you see the uh, uh, butt sweat. <laughs> oh, Johnson did fumble one too, but he recovered it. Okay. So they both saw. Yeah, yeah. He, he, never, he never turned the ball Cut over. <laughs> he never turned on. the ball over. He would just drop the ball in the field and pick it back up. Thank you, AstroTurf. that's a good point all right so that is a look at the 77 cowboys uh i i'm I'm having so much fun doing these um just to look back you and i look at all the history and and, you know this is a team and we'll talk more about my love because this is still even though i forgot to say technically this is supposed to be the first time i ever said a cuss word on one of the fumbles my parents have always said that but this is still really before my time yeah. The next video where we're going to really talk about what it's in my wheelhouse, what we became known as America's team, yeah. all that fun stuff. But again, we want to thank Frisco Bar and Grill. We want to remind you, you can find us on Facebook. Just type in OutDrink the coverage. Find us on Twitter at OutDrink. You email us, ODT, 
NF, ODTCNFL at gmail.com. Hey, follow us on YouTube, dude. We are so happy. Our last two videos that we did, absolutely making great numbers. Please spread the word at L4 Media Company on YouTube. We're going to have this one, the 78 to 85. We're also going to do the league season three retrospective. And also, now this one will already be up, but if you look up or down, intern Noe and I are going to do an online show where we talk about the schedule for the 2023 Cowboys and what we think about that. But yep. and, huh, Go ahead. No, yeah, I was agreeing with you. All right, so, hey, watch this one and then just turn this one off and look at the 78 to 85, and let's we're going to talk about where the Cowboys slowly kind of started declining, sadly. Until then, he's intern Noe. I'm Terry Bennett. This is Outdrank the Coverage, brought to you by Frisco Bar and Grill.